What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode 17 of What's That Sound podcast. My name's Stu Watts, and today I talked with Chris Themelko, who is a metal producer from Melbourne, Australia. We talk about the importance of hard work, uh, as well as improving and refining your processes over time so that you can be more efficient, as well as getting to know your clients and really understanding them so that you can provide the best product possible. Quick note about this episode, the first two minutes are missing video. I did rectify it from then on, but it is a little bit blurry after that. So my apologies for the technical issues in this episode, but it is a great episode and we get in some really good conversations. So I didn't want to uh, let you miss out on it. So stay tuned. It's a great episode. Let's go. You're listening to What's That Sound with your host, Stu Watts. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of What's That Sound podcast. My name's Stu Watts, and today I'm here with Chris Themelko. Chris, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Thanks for so joining much, me. Dude. Thanks for having me. No worries, no worries. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself, your uh, you know music background, what you do currently, all of that sort of stuff. Yeah, um, I mean, I feel like every time I say this now, as, as, as I get further along, I feel like more of a dinosaur. Like, yeah. uh, <laughs> um, but like, I don't, like most people just you know got into music at a young age. Um, have a few musical people in the family, but like you know, just dabbled and whatnot. And mm. I just latched onto it. So that yeah. was like my teenage years at school and then, you know, got into metal and stuff. And that, yep. that was really like catalyst for all of my, mm-hmm. my general music life really. Yeah. Yeah. Um, went through was a few it, bands. What, what, who, like who got you into it? Or? So, um, well, one of my best friends since high school and our current um, sound engineer in, in Orpheus yeah. Omega, um, Gary Kilby. Um, he, massive Warhammer 40k nerd, uh, as, as we all were <laughs> in the day. And when he was at Games Workshop, you know, doing doing some of their Warhammer nights, he, uh, they'd have Metallica on and stuff. Like, you know, heaps yeah, of like yeah. punk stuff as well. Like, yeah, yep. it's like 90s offspring and yeah, yeah. stuff, which is sick. But then I think one day um, wherever I may roam came on. Yeah, yeah. And he just like had to like show me straight away. Yeah, and he's like, yeah. need to hear this song, you know, and like, yeah. Uh, pretty sure like between that sandman and puppets i was just like i need to do this yeah this is i need this yeah so that was you know metallica the perfect gateway band and Mm -hmm. you know probably you know still still uh, you know that band that i'm just like you guys you know so yeah and so i think i heard that you know that opening like 12 string bass slap note (laughs) i'm just like i'm in and yeah um and that was that was pretty much it otherwise it was um yeah my parents had diverse tastes my mum was like really like 80s synth disco-y cool. sort of stuff dad was like in excess midnight oil all yeah, that yeah. so i had that background but mm-hmm. like nothing heavy it was just like really musical yeah but yeah then you know and, and and like ethnic music stuff as well because like i grew up doing like macedonian dancing okay. and stuff so like there was always music in my life but yeah, it was never yeah. part of my day to day until yeah, yeah. you know high school and just then it was like oh, okay this is apparently what i want to do yeah yeah <laughs> sorry for the uh technical issues there Rookie. Um, <laughs> all right. Yeah. So um, then moving on into, you know, was it, was it just like the love of the music? Why mm. was there more to it? Do you think even in that early stage yeah. or like, it's interesting. Cause like when I look back at it now, it's like, uh, I have a very obsessive behavior, uh, personality and behaviors yeah. in general. Yeah. Um, I feel like for the most part, they've been beneficial as opposed mm. to detrimental. I, mm-hmm. I tend to latch onto things that I feel like I see the rabbit hole and I just like mm. jump straight in. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. Uh, most things are like that for me. Um, and music was one of those ones where like as I as soon as I got into it, immediately it was like a gear freak. Mm. You know, it was like straight away I wanted to know everything about guitar tones. I wanted to know everything about yep. guitars, how every little thing worked. And that's pretty much just followed me into everything, you know. Um, so it was even very early on, like even like listening to a song like Master of Puppets right here in Palm Mutes yeah. and being used to just playing open stuff, you know, yeah. like no, no palm muting and going, What's that sound? How are they doing that? I want to know the specifics. And then, you know, all right, how does it sound on this part of the bridge versus this part of the bridge? So that's just just, an exploration of like technique and stuff like that. And I think so many people that obviously engineers and producers will Mm. absolutely relate to that. No matter what style of music, it's like we hear things in a way where we want to understand them. It's not just like, it's like, it's not passive. It is active. It's active listening every single time. I I don't know how it is for yourself, but I know a few of, um, my other engineer mates uh, also have synesthesia where like, mm, you know, colors yeah. and sounds tend to be very specifically linked together. Mm-hmm. So in a weird way, I sort of like, if I hear a song or even like a tone, right? If I'm going for like a guitar tone or something, I see it as like layers of colors mm. and it's like certain 
colors and things will come forward and back as I hear different mm. sounds. And that was like something that was kind of weird, but really exciting when I was getting more and more into music and hearing different things was sort of how my brain perceived yeah. those tiny differences. Yeah, yeah. And it's just like, that's, I don't know, as weird as it is, it kind of comes handy, comes in handy for my brain when I'm mixing because I almost, in my head, I'm like, it's missing a certain amount of color yeah. as opposed to hearing it as like a frequency. Or, I think for me, it's more like shapes, yeah, like jagged. And yep. like if, you know, distorted guitars, they look like yeah. a, you know, and it might be because of the, the waveform that mm. I'm used to seeing or something. But I think, yeah, like, and I hear like, you know, bass tones, whether it's like a, a really warm bass tone, that's like, like an oval sort of a really round sort of a shape. Yep. And then you hear distorted bass and it's like, no, nah, there's more like point to it. Yeah. yeah so that, yeah. yeah, funny little things like that yep. for sure. And then, so did you have any um, sort of, you, you learned guitar to start off with it? Was there other formal training? Early no on formal or? training. Uh, I did music in high school. That was yep. there. Um, that was like the catalyst, but I never did any real formal training, which like I will say to anyone out there, I feel like formal training is good to start with. I think mm-hmm. you should do it just because you learn the concepts quicker. Mm. You know, like I'm so much further in my life now and now I'm really understanding mm. properly like um, the relationships between chords and yeah. um, ma- you know, just melodies and um, scales and all those things. Yeah. They're things that I know inherently mm-hmm. that I can't mm. name or haven't been able to because like, you know, if I have a band in, it's always like, oh, you if you want this kind of sound, these are the notes you should play. <laughs> yeah. If you want it to be a darker sound, it's these notes. But they're not realizing like, oh, it's a That's harmonic actually minor, music theory. Yeah. yeah. And like I just feel like if I knew that earlier – it would just be easier to communicate it. And I think that's like the biggest thing I've spent later on in this sort of cycle is getting better at the communication side of it. Mm. So again, knowing how things work really deeply, mm-hmm. I think makes it easier to explain things to people then. Cause if you know the depths of how something works, then you can almost go all the way back and go this really, really insanely small concept down here. How do I explain how that affects someone who doesn't care, you know, like, you know, when a guitarist is palm muting, for example, just explaining like, Hey, low end resonance is going to be more prevalent. If you're up this part of the neck, if you want right. more attack and they don't have to understand the physics behind it. Yep. You just need to be able to explain, explain it very yeah. well. Yeah. So and I, think I think that's like for, even for artists and stuff that don't have any interest in being a producer or, mm. or an engineer is like understanding the terminology of how engineers you know, speak and producers and stuff like that will, it's, it's, it's not a crutch. It's not like, oh, I have to do this. It's actually going to expand your communication between yourself and the engineer and allow you to get to that point much faster. Like you said. And sometimes when you find you have a roadblock, for example, if you're trying to build a tone or you, you know, you're playing with your band, you're like, something sounds messy or whatever. Mm. It's going to be a lot easier when you go, you know what it is? It's low mids. Mm. The bass needs to be a bit cleaner here or the guitars need to, whatever it might be. If you can, understand that just that little bit more it just makes yeah. it easier to communicate and like it just yep. everything's so much easier at that yeah point. i think like it's like anything the, the the more practice you have at something and the more understanding you have of something it obviously makes you faster and more efficient yeah. at something but even if it's not your specialty you don't have to be a specialist in it but the communication and the language yeah. around it will help you you don't have to be the one that actually turns the knobs and you know controls the low mids like you yeah. were saying but for you to be able to hear it and go I know that that's the low mids and say that to your engineer just means that you'll have that better communication for sure. And so, so then after high school, tell us about like the, the start of your producer engineer Mm. journey. What did that look like? So, uh, it was kind of weird because I kind of just did it out of necessity with early bands like that I was in just purely for the sake of like getting demos down and all that sort of thing. Mm. Cause like we did have money, like it was yeah. like yeah. You know, high, high school kids in the Northern suburbs. It wasn't yeah. exactly a, uh, you know, fashion, it, fashionably rich, rich mean, area. Something like this isn't affordable back oh, dude, then. Back then it's yeah. like 10 times the yeah. price. Like we were, <laughs> I think I was using the first band I was in ends in torment. Mm. We did a little EP and we tracked it into cakewalk on the line in <laughs> of it. my like IBM laptop. Yep. Yep. And we just used like a Behringer desk that I borrowed from our high school because right. it had to line out. Yeah. So we tracked everything through that. Yeah. But the drums had to be mixed within it because yep. there was no multi. Yep. I had no yep. multiple yep. ins. Um, so it was just like thinking about. And we didn't know though. No. Like it was no, just exactly. like that's obviously how obviously you, how you <laughs> would do it. What do you mean? You <laughs> Why doesn't it sound as good as everyone <laughs> else's? Yeah. And like we. I mean, you know, I still have that CD at home and every so often I will just be like, hmm, and I like load it up and I'm just like, it's listenable, but my God, it's terrible. But it's yeah. just like, I think back to like, you know, doing all the demo stuff, not really, 
I wasn't delving as much into the recording side. It was just mm. a necessity. Mm. Um, I went to uni um, to do computer science. Mm-hmm. So I thought my career was going to go down that path. Yeah. Um, and in this, at the same time, I was sort of in two bands, um, Orpheus, the band, my main band that yep. I'm still in now, yep. we were putting stuff together, mm-hmm. but I was getting more into the multi-track stuff because I had people who'd um, influenced and helped. Um, mm-hmm. Erman Hamidovich from Systematic Productions was cool. a massive influence in my early days, um, massive help as well. And just, you know, taught me some better practices really mm. and better ways to do things. And then when I finished uni, I did web design for a little while um, with my mm-hmm. own company um, with a couple of mates from uni. And that was really fun. But mm. I realized the industry itself, I just did not enjoy. I loved the sure. work, yeah. but I just had no passion for the industry. Yeah. It was like, yeah. And I kind of still feel that way, which is unfortunate because it's a fun job. Mm. But I was just gravitating more and more towards the music stuff. And I was just like, mm-hmm. huh, like uh, my options are stick with this thing that I don't really enjoy or mm. I still have that degree there. But instead I can like mm. put all my time and effort into something that like I would rather wake up at the crack of dawn yeah. and go to sleep at the crack of dawn. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And so it kind of just became that thing where I, I realized that my options were, you know, have that like that systematic disappointment of my ethnic parents who would just be like, <laughs> what do you mean you're not doing the thing you went to uni for? Yeah. Or, or, you know, try to make sure I did it well enough that I could turn around and go like, I promise I'm making a yeah, living. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> um, and so yeah. it kind of just like, you know, kept going towards that thing where I was like doing demos for other bands mm-hmm. and I'd recorded our first Orpheus album, but someone else mixed it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all that kind of thing that you mm-hmm. know, those growing steps, um, that you take when you're learning anything, you know, it's like, learn a little bit, apply, learn a little bit, apply. Sure. There was no like, I don't know, like now you've got like now the mix and all these things mm. that people do, but I never had that moment. It was always just like the, the Andy Snape forum you know, rested soul because yeah. no one really uses it anymore. So many engineers came out of that forum yeah. and it's all people that I learned from and chatted with. Absolutely. And a lot of it was just because the knowledge wasn't there. On occasion, you'd have someone chime in who was like quite well known. Yeah, you'd be like, yeah. actually, it was this thing. Yeah. And you would talk about it for like a month. Yep. Yeah. And you would, like you, you know, like I was saying, you would di- delve yeah. so deep into it. Absolutely. You just want to know every little thing. And that was how I learned, yeah. you know, and a lot of trial and error. I had my, you know, um, 6505. Um, yeah. head at home it was the first amp that I bought for recording because I owned a Mesa Mark IV and that's like my baby. Yeah. But I'm like, I need a metal, I need the, the metal the sound. Metal I need, sound. I need a PV. Yeah. Yep. And I would just, when mum was at work and I was, you know, like home from a day of uni sort of towards the end of uni, it's like, if no one was home, I'm like cranking that thing on like, you know, volume, you know, mm-hmm. the masters on like four, two rooms away and you can hear it down the street. Yep. I'm just like, all right, what's the difference in the tone if the volume's louder or softer cool. or yeah, you know, all the different things cool, cool. and it just cascaded. So yeah. it just became a thing where I'm like, I can't do anything else because mm. my brain won't let me think about anything else. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, so when you were doing that learning where there, you were talking about the forum, mm. which is obviously huge for a lot of people, you know, um, just having that communication path that didn't yep. exist previously and the internet the early stages of the internet was like it wasn't the same as what it is now so for people no. that are you know 20 21 now that are watching this mm. or listening it's not the same it's not even the same world it's like no. two different worlds yeah. but what were you know were you looking into producers and stuff like that at the yeah. time as well it's funny it was like a twofold thing where uh, you know the, the biggest name for me at the time and still one of my like biggest influences and someone I respect massively is Andy Sneap. You know, he's worked on some of my favorite albums here, whether it's Trivium, Testament, um, your arch enemy and Monomath. So many, you know, I mean, the list is endless. Um, but that forum and, and he had input in there as well. Like he would chat to people. He'd take time out of his day. Yep. You know, he'd be in the middle of like recording whoever. And it's like, sorry guys, I'm recording such and such, but uh, just a quick one. <laughs> here's this. And here's what I actually use. And you're just like, holy shit. Yeah. Um, it seems so, so unattainable. At right. That time. And yeah. so for me, that was just a massive influence. And then as I sort of, um, I guess um expanded on the kind of producers I was listening to or just looking more into like what albums I liked and who mm. did them. Mm. I realized I gravitated to certain engineers and mm-hmm. like Chris Lord Alge would be yep. one that I realized half my entire youth of music Crazy. he's mixed. Yeah. And there was a sound that like, you know, we're talking about things creeping in earlier mm. on before I noticed mm. these albums that had a certain sound mm. I preferred as yep. albums yep. or the albums that he mixed of those bands mm-hmm. were always the ones that I pulled up first. Yeah. And I realized I'm like, Oh, it's, it's CLA. Like yep. that's, you know, the yeah, sound of hits, yeah. like that's the guy, you know? know. And it was that kind of thing that really made me go, wow, these people have just 
you know, it's not to say they have like the same sound for all these things, but they have a character mm. and it's because of who they are as people, mm. you know, that's, that's how it trans. Yeah. Every person yeah, is different. Yeah. There's nothing objective about why their sound is that way. All these engineers are objectively amazing engineers, yeah. but subjectively there are things that they, they do that I gravitate towards. Yeah. Yeah. And so I have my list of go-tos and like people that I like love most. So it's like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Jacob Hansen, um, incredible what like he's probably my current like you know favorite dude awesome. um jens bogren thomas johansson um yep. and andy sneep yep. you know and again there's the, the list goes on because yeah, yeah. so many yeah especially because yep. it's so easy to see these people now mm. you'd have to like rummage through cds and liner yeah. notes to oh, find out who mixed stuff 100%. you know and the internet was like wrong half the time yeah. where it was like you know yep because be like, anyone you know, could just put anything yeah in and there wasn't fact checked no. and it was like bowser from mario mixed this. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell and you know it's so different to now you just jump on their instagram and they're yep. like here's the 10 albums i Correct. worked on this year and you're like oh i'll have to pick that up yeah. now i yeah, didn't even exactly. know that was there the so discover- and even with spotify and youtube and stuff uh, it's, it's like it's just click click the link yeah and you'll get to the next one or you'll find the playlist or yeah Exactly. I I think that's one thing um, as well, like with that side of it, I think it's almost easier and harder now to find who's worked on stuff because Spotify and all that are only now fully crediting properly. Yeah. And still not. Yeah. No, but it's kind of annoying because I want to be able to click it and just be like, who did this? Or a video clip will come out like a first release from a band Mm -hmm. and it tells you all the people who've done the, who the videographer was, who the um, DOP is and all that and nothing about who mixed it. I'm like, I want to know that. I know. You know, know. and a lot of bands as well. You're talking about accessibility like these days. I feel like bands have a much uh, much more access to recording engineers mm. now. So a lot of bands want to know, especially if you're in a, mm-hmm. if you're in a band, yeah. you want to know who mixed something because yep. there's every chance that you will either use that as a reference or go to that person and just see like, hey, maybe maybe we can work with this person. Yeah. Yep. Um, and it's really hard to do when there's no... Mm it's getting harder to have that on there. Like yeah. everyone knows who Bob Rock is. Yeah. You know, every, everyone knows who Rick Rubin is and all that sort of thing sure. because all but, these but bands. For the, yeah, for the lower level, yeah. you know, not because, you know, there's so many amazing, that's why I do this podcast because yeah. there's so many like talented people yeah. not only in Melbourne, Australia, mm. you know. So it's like let's share that information and let's like, you know, I make a point to, because I know how important credits are. I make a point to put all of the links in in the show notes and stuff like that. So for anyone that's listening that wants to find more out about all of the guests that we have on here, go into the show notes of either YouTube or Spotify and they're in there. So you can you can see the, the links to the yeah. music and stuff like that. Tell me about like, you know, let's get let's get into sessions now. Let's yeah. talk more specific about your workflow. You're, you know, producing, mixing. What's the sort of percentage of that these days? Are you yeah. recording a lot these days or is it more mixing? It's half-half. Yep. I try to keep it half-half yep. um, just because I get bored of one if I do too much of one. I remember a, f- a f- few years back and it, like, really burnt me. I did three months straight of tracking mm, and, like, six days a week. Dude. And it, it like, broke oh, me. Oh, man. Like, proper broke me. <laughs> um, and I pretty much vowed to never do that again. It's, um, and, it, and for anyone that doesn't understand why, it's because, I mean, you can tell your experience, but for mm. me it's, like, the focus that is yeah. required when you're recording, you cannot have any distractions. Yeah. Like when you're mixing or something, you might have a, you know, you might have your phone next to you if something yeah. pings. It's okay. Yeah. You, you know, you might be distracted temporarily, but it's quicker to get back into it. If someone's sitting in the room waiting for you to get a guitar tone, you can't sit on your phone. Yeah. So it's all in. Yeah. It's all in. So I can't even match six days in, yeah. you know, for weeks on end. It was Dude, it was rough. your was... life would have been like put on complete hold yeah. and, yeah. Two albums and an EP. I, I remember yeah. very specifically. This is like still listen back to those and I'm like, they sound great. I'm like, I don't remember much of it though. Mm. <laughs> um, but it is like, uh, I remember um, – uh, we'd work with the producer from the US a while back um, mm-hmm. who came down and I just remember um, one of the drum tracking days, I just mentioned like, oh, you know, if, if seeing as we finish drums a bit earlier, if you want to do guitars when we get back, let me know because like I can just jump on and mm. book that up. And he mm. was just like, oh, hell no, dude. He's like, dude, after a day of drums, like yeah. there's no chance. And I was like, I felt so happy that that was because <laughs> like, you know, he's worked on some awesome stuff and he's like, I always felt that way after tracking. I'm like, I'm cooked. Like, I'm like, mm. I didn't play anything, but I'm utterly mm-hmm. broken. Yep. And it's like, oh no, that's actually a thing. Like yep. a lot of these dudes, like, no, like this is why burnout's real in this industry because yep. you're you're gonna realize like people talk about how like our industry is the worst it's been. You know, mm. there's a lot of that going mm. around where it's like there's the least amount of money in it, whatever. And like while I understand that point mm. of it, mm. we're also at a time where 
you have the most access to everything. Mm. Like recording gear is arguably cheap. You know, it's yeah. not to say it's cheap in terms of like everyday, you know, people who look at it, mm. but as an engineer, quality gear is cheaper than it's ever been. Access to and, the craft. And is, I think the actual, like there's the, there's different levels as well. Yeah. You know, back yeah. in the day it was like good or shit. Yes. 100%. And now it's yeah. like shit, pretty shit. Good. So, yeah, it's like not yeah, so not shit, so shit. Yeah, and, and it's yeah, but it's so but tiered. Yeah. yeah, and and it's it's. I honestly like that. That's mm. the thing. The flip side is you don't. No one can afford a separate producer mm. to sit with an engineer. Mm-hmm. You know, unless you're up. You know, yep. I mean, even when you look at dudes like Parkway Drive and all that, you look mm-hmm. at the way they do it now. Um, their guitarist is doing a lot of the engineering while yeah. someone else produces yeah. because yep. it's just going to be more efficient. Yeah. Um. So I think the thing that I forget sometimes is like. The role I thought I was going to do when I got into this was be an engineer, do the mixing. Mm. And then it was, oh, no, you're a producer who is also engineering and mixing. <laughs> and then it was, you're a partial psychologist. <laughs> and you know, it's like you you have to wear so many hats. Yeah. Like I reckon I spend a third of the time coaching the band, yeah. then producing, mm. then engineering, mm-hmm. you know, like, and you have to do all of that at once. Yeah. Yeah. for like eight, nine hours straight. It's, and it's really it's taxing. So intense. Yeah. And like, I feel more comfortable now to say that that is really taxing. Cause I used to just be like, no, 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 you just deal with it. It's like, that's how it is. Mm. But it's like, no, it's, it's really hard. Yeah. Like there's a reason not a lot of people make it in this industry. Mm-hmm. And 10 years in, people are still surprised when they're like, oh, so what else do you do? I'm like, <laughs> I mean, I have other ventures, but like, no, this is my job. This is, yeah. this is the thing that keeps a roof over my head yeah. and has since yeah. you know, 2015 or something. Yeah. And a lot of people are, still weirded out by that because mm. it's like, oh, you, you can do that. And I'm mm. like, well, I think some people can do that. Mm. Like depends, you know, how, how hard you want to go. Massive. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like work ethic is a huge part of it, not only for, you know, yourself, but being able to work with people that have a good work ethic is huge as well. You know, you, yeah. yeah, you can, you can get jobs here and there that, you know, might give you some income that aren't necessarily, you're not that passionate about, yeah. but you will find that the best working relationships are the ones where the other people are as passionate as you and are willing to work as hard as you and yeah. put as much time and effort and yeah. practice and all of that stuff. They're always the best projects and yeah. you get the best results. And like you said, it's just like the hard work. It's yeah. just like it it, it it trumps so many of the other parts that people see when yeah. is the tip of the iceberg, yeah. yeah. It's it's interesting because like and, and in no, no way do I think it's like I always find it really hard to make this point without I feel like I'm sort of having a go but like looking at all those like current learn how to mix mm. companies and things mm. at the moment, I love that they exist because like even like for example like now the mix mm. on occasion you'll have someone like Daniel Bergstrand or someone yeah, yeah. will be on it and I'm like yeah. I'm buying that. Like yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. jumping in. I want to see how he did that. I want to not yeah. because I want to be able to get that sound. I want to know why his brain correct got to that yeah. sound. Yeah. So I think there's a lot to learn in those things. Mm-hmm. And so the access is great. The user base is great. What I think isn't there is the realistic approach to going 90% of you are not going to make it in this industry. And maybe 1% of you are going to be able to do this for more than the next five years. And I think like showcasing, like the fact that that person has worked all of those years to be at the point that they're at, they didn't start there. No. So if you're starting there and hoping to get that sound immediately after, Oh yeah, I'll just chuck that plug in on that. That's what that sound is. Right. It's like, no, yeah. you need to know why you're chucking yeah. the plug in on. Yeah. There's so much more to it. So yeah. I remember when um like one of one of Daniel Bergstrand tricks is a DBX 128 on guitars. And I have one of those, but I use it on drums. I, I wanted to get the Bergstrand sound on guitars and I was right. like, oh, there's a cheap one. I'll grab one and just muck around with it. I never use it for guitars. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's just that funny thing of like, I love what he does with it. Mm. I can't do that. Mm, yeah. It doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. But I still use it for something else now. Yeah. And it's like that mentality of like learn from what they why they're doing mm-hmm. yeah especially mm-hmm. like that i think it's like the biggest thing in this industry is like learn the whys and mm-hmm. hows yep and apply it to what you're doing not yeah. just doing it because it's what they did yeah absolutely um, well another example of that for me was you know getting the slate subscription and seeing chris ladalgi's like run through of his things and it showed him um you know comping all of the different guitar tracks to you know like four tracks because that's how he uses it on his um, desk and stuff like that it's like that's great for him that works for him i'm not going to do that because it doesn't it's not suitable for my workflow so but understanding why he does it and how it helps him to be more efficient in the at the end of the mix and you know taking the time to do that at the start of the mix it's like there's stuff to learn there it's like 
take the time to do the the annoying things at the start so that the things at the end yep. are quicker. So uh, something like that, yeah. Exactly that. And like oh, in that exact same way, what, watching that, mm. um, his video of, of the way he um, subgroups and all yeah. that, I'm like, okay, talking about someone who has staff out the wazoo. <laughs> yeah, exactly. he, he's, he, he, basically he gets a mix and it's better than my mixes <laughs> yeah, from knows. his yep. prelim, right? Yeah. He's working with world-class musicians. Yeah, yeah. He's basically- The and best not, engineers, I mean, the best studios. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, granted, it then gets to one of the greatest yes. mix engineers yeah. basically now you know, in our, in our yeah. recent history, yeah. no doubt, but it comes to him basically ready to go. Mm. So he just gets to basically like, like the way he says, like, I just get to change gears and drive the car. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. And then when I look at that, I'm like, that's why that doesn't work for me. Yeah, Cause exactly. half my job is growing bands into a position where they can do that. For sure. Um, I just got, and like these guys have been around for ages, but um, darker half from Sydney power metal band. Cool. Um, I worked there like five albums or working on their fifth album now. Yep. Um, they've been around for ages, always great music. And like, mm-hmm. they hit me up about working on an album. They'd already pretty much tracked everything. I got it. Great, like great outcome and all that. A few things that I was like, oh, you know, maybe this tone, these things next time mm-hmm. would be a bit different. And mm-hmm. they've obviously changed how they track things as well. I just started mixing their new one and it, like I've probably spent a third of the time yeah. and I reckon it's already better. Yeah. Like what they gave me, you know, I mean, musically, they've always been amazing. And mm. I like the last album was fine. But th- in terms of the actual tracking, mm. this is way better than last yeah. time. And it was yeah. already solid. You know, mm. like it was already yeah. good. But like the things that they changed were like, mm-hmm. oh, the mix is going to be easier now. And you don't notice that until you really see the difference. Um, and you have to do it for long enough to do to, well, to see right. that. It's that working relationship I've talked about with yeah. other guests as well. It's like you can't. Yeah, it's always great to get new clients and stuff. But you want to think sometimes even more about client retention because of the benefits of working together with someone for over a period of more than one or two or three years, you start to see the best results and the most amazing tracks from both, you know, your mixes will get better because you understand their sound, but they also understand how you work so they can prepare a bit better and your communication gets better and all that stuff just leads to so much of a better result. Yeah. I I completely agree. I never used Mm. to think about that early Mm. on because it was just like, I just feel stoked that I'm working Mm. with someone. And it's great. Don't get me wrong. Getting new clients is awesome. And I'm still, I'm, I'm still yeah. probably getting about 60% mm. new, 40% retained yep. just from a timeline perspective. Yep. Yep. And for me, it's like, I love helping new bands mm. grow because mm. that's, I do know a lot of engineers who just don't do that anymore. Mm. And they just like, they've priced themselves to a point where mm-hmm. they're like, we just don't want to work with mm. new bands. I want to consistently have that. Like, I want to be excited about the engineering, you mm. know, or the mm. mixing mm. or whatever. And that's, that's their thing, you know, and that's fine. Yep. I, don't have that mentality. I'm still very mm-hmm. much in the music scene. Mm-hmm. I still tour with my mm-hmm. band. Mm-hmm. So mm, a lot of my motivation for the mixing recording side is getting bands in who are passionate and helping sort of, you know, mold them a little bit yeah. to be good in the studio. Yeah. yeah. And so I still enjoy that part of the process. Mm-hmm. So I love having new bands come in and then two albums in, you know, you've worked with them on a couple of albums mm-hmm. and then you hit the point where you both have that like aha moment where everyone just goes, We've done all the things you're meant to do to get to here. Mm. And now that we're all capable, mm-hmm. what can we really do to push yeah, ourselves? That's it. And that's like my favorite, it's like that's my favorite awesome. thing. Like um, in Malice's Wake is one one that comes yeah. to mind for me. Yeah. Um, I, I worked with them after, yeah, they, they did a couple of albums with, I think Erms did, the, yeah, Erms did the first album as well. Mm-hmm. So they did their first two albums with Erms from Systematic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I did a live DVD with them. Right. Um, so they were like, do, do you want to have a crack at the next awesome. album? And I'm like, yeah. okay, yeah. And I had yeah, to work yeah. with them properly. Yeah. Um, and Light Upon the Wicked came out. It was great, like stoked on it. Then when we went into Blindness of Faith, their last one, mm-hmm. because we'd already worked together, mm. we went into that one with like, okay, well, this means you're going to have to use this snare. Yeah. You have to use this guitar. I'm going to bring these preamps. Like we just approached it with so much preparation and like yeah. listening back to it, you can you can hear it. Like, mm. And so we're talking about the next one, which would be the third one we work on mm-hmm. at this mm-hmm. point. And we're already like, how do we outdo it? What are we going to do? And it's like, all right, see, <laughs> yeah. completely different amps. Let's go with a completely different style of guitar. Let's yeah. And all these cool so things cool. that it's like by, by talking about it early on, it almost shapes the music as well. So yeah. you're already like trying to outdo yourself, but you're, you're both like, I want to push them and they want to push me. Yes. Yes. And I exactly. think you can't have that on just one offs because no, sometimes you strike gold. Don't get me wrong. A lot yeah. of engineers have had those moments. I've had those odd albums that I'm like so proud of and mm-hmm. just never mm-hmm. worked on something with that band again for mm-hmm. one reason or another. But I think that when you see that growth and, mm-hmm. and you see it when you look at the engineers from the bands that you love, mm-hmm. uh, like even someone like Amaranthi um, and Dragonland who work with um, Jacob Hansen or um, mm-hmm. Mercenary, mm-hmm. one like one of my favorite bands. Mm-hmm. 
And then again, like you're like Testament with um, Andy Sneap yeah, and Arch yep, Enemy yep. and like all, all these bands that have grown with their engineers yeah. and vice versa. So it's like. And it's, it's always cool to hear that, you know, in the results of, you know, the albums, how they progress over time, you know, like it's, a, yeah, like you said, like, you know, listening to the earlier stuff mm. of like, the, you know, the stuff that they've done with that producer or whatever and you just hear how pr- the progression happened over time. You can make assumptions. We don't know anything about yeah. who they've been listening to or yeah. who they look up to or anything like that, but it's still, it still is a, a story. And yeah, it's it's always really exciting to to know when ah oh, they're working with that producer again, or yeah. they're working with a new producer. Let's see yeah. like what comes I mean, of that. Yeah, Green Day come to mind for me. Yeah, one of my favorite bands. Yeah, yep. um, you look at like American Idiot, and then like sort of the following mm-hmm. two or two or three. Yep, you know they went from having this like awesome, still rock poppy. Mm very natural mm. i say quote unquote sounding <laughs> album with um american as Idiot. natural as cla gets yeah. maybe yeah but then you go over to um uh 21st century breakdown yeah. it, it's a stadium yeah like the is, sound yeah. is yeah, just huge. and but but the songs are written that way mm. too mm-hmm. and you just see that growth muse um, muse is another one oh, yep. yep exactly yep. and it just it makes sense yeah and then arch enemy is another one for me like yep. going from wages of sin to anthem's rebellion and then doomsday machine all through snape right. you right. see like the almost like crusty, um, very raw sound of yeah, wages. Yeah. It gets a little bit more refined on Anthem yeah. and then it just becomes this polished yeah, machine yeah. on yeah. Doomsday and you're like, but, yeah. but it makes sense because yeah. they they went in, they, they grew together. For sure, um, for sure. Hey, thanks so much for listening so far. There is plenty more to come, so don't go anywhere. I just wanted to let you know that this podcast is made completely independently by myself with no sponsors. So if you like what you hear and you would like to show your support, you can send a donation to the PayPal link paypal.me slash what's that sound the link is also in the show notes thanks so much for your support and let's get back to it yeah man well tell me tell me about like what is your like approach when you're you know working with different artists do you have a similar approach when it comes to recording um is it the same every time do you do the same things or is it like no this is tailor-made for every single artist i think um the tailor-made side of it is more about how we actually do the work itself. You know, sometimes you start with bass. You know, you have bands who are the bass player is like the predominant songwriter. So right. Like, All right, well, let's get the guide tracks of the bass down first mm-hmm. and everyone else can mm-hmm. track to that mm-hmm. and then go back over mm. it. Um, so that stuff's fine. Like I always try it to be different. Mm. But I think the approach I take with every band is the same because the approach I take is specifically so I can work out exactly what the band wants. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't think that changes from band to band. Mm-hmm. That approach... Mm-hmm to find out what they want is always going to be the same. You know, there are a group of people mm-hmm. who are writing music together or even just a, a solo artist, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's still the same thing. I want to know what their influences are. I want to know what they're trying to achieve with their music. Mm-hmm. Like what are you going for? What are you trying to express with this bulk of music? Or even if it's just and So how do you do that? Do you have like a Zoom chat? Do they yeah. come to studios? So I'll, like- I'll catch up with them if possible. Um, if it's interstate, yeah, Zoom, whatever it might mm-hmm. be. Uh, even if they're overseas, same sort of mm-hmm. thing. I'll, I'll, mm-hmm. And I try to get the whole band together if possible, if, yep. if it's a full band. Um, Cause I just want to get to know the personalities and it's yeah. like, what am I trying to bring out in your instrument? You know, what, what sort of, sure. it, I, I think a lot of the time it's just working out what the person is like, because yeah, yeah. I really do think uh, each personality is very apparent in the instrument. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. As weird as it is, like a, a well, lot of, think of someone yeah. like Keith Moon or Trey Cove, you know, on drums, those yep. guys are like you look maniacs. It's like, it's like, yeah. yeah. But it's yeah. like, it makes so much sense. Um, yeah. And, and so I try to have those chats very early on so that I can sit there and go, all right, what's the best way for me to tackle this to get mm. the thing that's in your head on the paper? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that process is pretty much the same all the time just mm. because it, it works. You yeah. know, like mm. I, I can't think of a different way to get what I need out of yeah. the musician's yeah. ideas mm-hmm. to make it work. Then from there, we just sort of go, all right, well do we want to do drums first or last? Do you want, you know, all that stuff. I feel like that's very mechanical. Do you have a preferred method? Like, do you? I still like the traditional way. I still like going drums first. Okay, cool. I'll get the guitarist in to do guide tracks. Yep. Um, Even if they've already done them, I'll get them in for like a, even if it's like a full album, I'll just Mm -hmm. get them in for a day of Mm pre-pro so Mm -hmm. we can do tempo changes and things. Mm -hmm. Um, Get the drummer in and the guitarist because sometimes what will happen is someone will write it and be like, that feels right. Mm -hmm. And then you'll go, all right, there's vocals here, right? Mm -hmm. Is it too fast for the vocal part? Is it? So I try to do a lot of the pre-pro stuff so that we avoid all those issues down the road. I want to get into this (laughs) later. So keep going. I want to talk more pre-pro later. Totally. So that part happens. And I like doing drums first just because – 
these days, they, you know, we've done it with our band as well. Like drums yeah, last yeah. just because like our drummer broke his foot once before. Oh, right, gig. All these right. things happen, you know, like, yep. yeah, got him to do hands last and like mm, basically mm. program kicks after he'd played one kick and mm. things like that. Um, I think a lot of bands like to be constantly flexible. And mm. while I like that, it's nice to have the classic way where you're like, all right, drummer guy, drummer mm. guy, girl, person, mm. you've mm. got one chance mm. to give this everything and now you are the pizza base of the band. Mm. You know, and now everyone else has to work around you. Mm-hmm. And I kind of mm-hmm. like that because when the guide guitars are there and it's like, this is what we're pretty sure we're going to play and then I'll be with the drummer and they'll be doing something and I'm like, hey, you know that part here? What if you did this and then the guitars mm. can do this instead? Yeah. And they'll do like some cool grab thing or whatever role it might yeah, be. Yeah, and yeah. then the guitarist hears it when they're recording and like, oh, I can do this. And then the vocals, like, I didn't know they did that. Oh, I might do two words over this. And then like, I love that organicness because you force yourself to a degree to commit to something. Yes. Yeah. Um, I feel like it depends on the band, obviously. Well, it's also our, it's also our job to make sure the train stays on the tracks. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And like sometimes we are guiding them. Yes. We're like telling them what to do. For sure. And I think sometimes certain kinds of music, like when it's very guitar driven and the guitarist, is pretty much like the brains of the operation. Mm. I do like to do drums last because mm-hmm. a lot of the time mm-hmm. they'll be tracking and go, actually, now I want to add a triplet here. Yes. And you've got to change the kicks. And For sure. it's a very specific thing to metal, I think, yeah. more than anything. Yeah. When it's anything less than very intense metal, mm. I like the classic way of doing it. It's just- yeah. Lock in with the drummer. Yeah. Well, and I, I mean, think, the, yeah, well, the, 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 the bass grooves, and the, if you've got like, you know, you know, breakdowns and stuff like that, they have to go to the drums. Exactly. If they don't- It's so it's weird like, to track them last when there's just, you're playing to like- <laughs> You know, a lot of the time we can even track to program drums for tightness and all that. But when it comes to just getting feel out, Mm. you need those real drums, Mm. man. Mm. Like raw Mm. edited drums with Mm. like no mixing are still more fun to track to than programmed like amazing sounding drums. At least that's the experience I've had. I'll do that as well with with my artists. Like I've I've done it with a a recent band, uh, Mm. Wardens. We did all the guitars first and just to make sure that the singer had something to sing along with, it's like I don't want you to sing along with a click. It's not going to feel right. You, You won't get the the band vibe yeah, exactly. so you, you know you just program it doesn't have to be perfect but it's like let's get as close to the drummer as we can within reason i'm not going to go yeah. overboard and waste a whole bunch of time but you know we want something for you to sing along with so yeah. but yeah i wanted to to talk more and i had um mike trebetskov on previously and we talked a lot about the pre-production of metal but i want to know your mm. your thoughts on it and songwriting and metal is obviously what what we talked about and again i want your opinion is is it's, it's similar to classical music and mm. dance music in the sense that it's very progressive. There's not necessarily the same thing happening. There's not necessarily a chorus that is the anchor mm. of the song. It's other things. So talk to me about songwriting pre-production with metal. Yeah. Like that is so specific to metal. So. Absolutely. I, and look, I think it does go across genres, but yeah, with metal, it's almost like you, you're continuously funneling down into mm. like these tiny bite-sized pieces of music that you have to address it's just because everything can get so messy otherwise. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I I think I can be comfortable enough to say that at this point in time, people come to me because they want to help shape their sound a certain way. Mm-hmm. I'm very chorus driven. Mm. <laughs> you know, my background mm. is mostly a lot of poppy stuff. Like yeah. I love melody. You know, my, my main band's a melodic death metal yeah, band. Yep, yep. So, and I think, um, uh, I can't remember who said it, but it was the point about Cannibal Corpse is no matter how heavy Cannibal Corpse is, they're always the catchiest band in the room. And I'm like, that is brilliant because <laughs> yeah. they've always been a death metal band who's still catchy. You can yeah. hum their riffs. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of the pre-pro for me with, I guess, the more extreme metal bands, mm-hmm. and it's like, first of all, the question is how open are you to working on this mm-hmm. as pre-pro? You know, mm-hmm. are you pretty much just like, no, we want Set. this, exactly this. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. If that's the case, no stress. But if it's not, then can we sit down together and work on these songs. And I do prefer that part of it because mm. sometimes when people open themselves up, say even 5%, mm. what happens is they'll get excited when you change something and then they open up more. And right. then they're like, oh, we didn't realize. We thought we were done. You know, That's we thought sick. we were done writing. And you're like, mm. well, you, you're not quite done. I mean, you're never really done. Yeah. But you do hit a point where you're like, I've milked it. Like yeah. there's there's yeah. There's a limit. Diminishing returns <laughs> yeah, with that's everything. It, that's it. That's it. So I love the pre-pro process when bands are willing Mm-hmm. to be open to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a great example for me in terms of the metal um, specifically is um, Toxicon from Geelong. Okay. Um, one of my favorite group of dudes and their most recent album that just came out recently. We did like, I think on and off between pre and tone mm. testing and all that mm. might've been like six or seven days, like right, something right. utterly ridiculous. Yeah. Um, I say, I say ridiculous. There's nothing in the grand scheme of things, but for yeah, pre right. for I mean, like that's, a that's local band. That's the most band, that I can 
I, I, yeah. haven't, I don't think I've done that many and, days in. But it was, it was so awesome because mm. we fought mm. a lot about stuff. Cool. And at the end of the day, we were all just trying to outprove each other. And that mm. was the best part because yeah. it was forcing people to go, you know what? No, I'm going to go home. I'm going to redo this bit. I'm going to come back tomorrow in the part you don't like. Eat it because it's good. We're keeping that part. And I was like, good, make it better. Show me that it's worth keeping it. And you know, back and forth where I'd say an idea and like, oh, I don't know. And I'm like, all right, well, let me re-record this part and I'll program the drums and you can tell me how it sounds. And there was so much of that. And I think that was like, it was so amazing because we 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 were doing that from a standpoint where we hadn't done it on the last album. I just mixed their first album. They just sure. sent it to me. Like tones were already there. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I just in, yep. had to no DIs, make it nothing. work. No. Yep. Um, and now we're sort of, again, like with that process in mind, we've discussed getting together even earlier before mm-hmm. the next one, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like while the songs are coming together mm-hmm. because then there's even more opportunity to get well, every, every little thing matters and yeah. it just shows in the end result. Yeah. So yeah. Great. I think part of it as well is you don't realize sometimes the disconnect between band members until you do that process mm, because sure. someone will be playing something and then they'll go, that's not the bit. Yeah. But that's how I always played it. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, but it shouldn't be, but they don't have that conversation. And again, like yes. we are the ones who kind of have to steer that because everything is so fast moving these days. Everyone's busy. Everyone's mm. working. Everyone, mm-hmm. you know, no one's making money off music, so yep. to speak, yep. right? Yep. No one's just chilling at home going, "Yeah, I'll write my bass parts later." I'm, you know, yeah, these, yeah, these yeah, sweet yeah. Apple checks are just yeah, coming yeah, through. Exactly, you know, yeah. Spotify is really keeping that roof over my head. Yeah. Yep. So for me, it's like that's why you're paying me, mm. and I always, I was, you know, it's like always like that weird reminder I make to the band when they're getting stressed or if they're like having a moment. I'm like, hey, you're paying me to deal with this. Mm. Don't worry about it. Like, yeah, you know, I, yeah. I, I've got this, you know, yep. you, you're, you're investing in me so that I can reinvest in you. Yeah. Um, and, and that's a big part of it with the pre-pro stuff. If something's wrong, I'm like, all right, how do we fix it? Mm. So, all right, do we like the guitar part better or is what the bass player doing actually going to work better? Mm. And then mm. you just, mm. you just have to filter it. You yeah. just come, it's like an iterative process. And again, I come from a programming background. Mm. So mm. I look at it as like a, a while if loop, you know, like yeah, yeah, while yeah. band is is not happy if bass part is better do that go back is band happy check you know. <laughs> yeah and yeah, so it's like, like a flow chart yeah, yeah, yeah exactly yeah. and it's gold i think it keeps it efficient but mm. still creative because at some point you're going to burn out if you spend too long on something totally and sometimes you just have to go make a decision yeah and we, i've been down that path where it's yeah. been like a heated couple of hours in the room yeah and i just have to turn around and go choose one sort or i'll it. flip a coin yeah, and you know exactly. what you flip a coin and guess what happens everyone goes oh it's dealt with it's not it, it, it's only an issue if you For let sure. it become an issue. Well, this is what I was going to say is like, you, you're talking about wearing all the hats, like in, in a lot of circumstances, our job as the producer is to be like, this is objectively better. Yes. You know, from my experience, which again is what, like you said, this is why you hired me yes. based on my learned, you know, experience with different bands, with listening to music in a different mm. way that you have. I think that this will work better for the song. And 80% of the time the band will go with you. But it's also okay for us to recognise when the artist wants it that much yes. that it's better to just do yep. it their way and live with it because yep. it's their album, yep. you know. So, yeah, I love it, man. Let's get on to... Let's get on to mixing. We're we're mm. we're we're going really well here. I want to get nerdy. I want to talk more about hardware and stuff. But let's first let's dive into mixing. Ten percent of the crowd just switched <laughs> yeah. off. Like, the now. I know we're getting <laughs> so nerdy. This is so, the fun bit. <laughs> yeah, this is what we love. So yeah, man. So um, so mixing. Um, tell me first of all, do you use you know a lot of hardware in mixing? Mm. Yep. Talk to us. So about hybrid that. hybrid setup at home. Cool. Uh, I try to be as analog as possible on the way in. I try to basically replicate running everything through a desk on the way in. Mm-hmm. Most of it then is in the box mm-hmm. with some outboard gear. Mm. So I work out of like three or four different drum studios. Mm-hmm. Um, I try to pretty much try to find places that have as much outboard gear as I can play with. Yep, yep. Uh, Echidna Studios in Christmas Hills is mm-hmm. like one of my favorite places mm-hmm. in the world, mm-hmm. really. Um, then there's uh, Bushido, which is Dan Present, ex Nail Blue Viscaris, yep, um, yep. Black Lava and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So his new place is great. So first thing first is obviously drum sounds mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. again, analog as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, I used to be terrified of shaping drums on the way in. I'm like, no, yep. no, no, no. Yep. Yep. leave it as natural as possible. And now yep. I'm just like, compress it on the way in. <laughs> is that a knee? Is that a knee pre? EQ. Cracked. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, I want to hear it come in and I'm just like, yeah. that's mad. And sometimes you go, well, maybe I went a bit hard, but you know what? That's going to be the sound of that album. Yeah. You know, you have yep. to trust yourself enough. You do. So yeah. n- the more I commit to stuff now, the more I trust myself almost because mm-hmm. I'm learning more from it. So that's the way in a lot of the time. Guitars, bass, I'm still DIing all the mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's through the same rig I've always run, which is a Countryman DI 
into a SafeSound P1. It's an Aussie-made, if I'm not mistaken, Aussie-made preamp that they don't cool. make anymore. Um, it's super clean and it's got. Oh man, off. I was I was going to say that about your tracks. Listening through all the guitar tunes, like there's no noise. Yeah, like it's super clean. I, I, yeah, and it's you funny know, because potentially when you're noticing yeah. it when someone's not yeah. playing, yeah. But on well, the mixes, I, yeah. I, absolutely, so and it has, clean, has to be that way. But where, unfortunately, where I live, like I live in like a 19, like late 70s. Um, Thomas Downhouse. Yep. Yep. Um, so power is utterly garbage, but that's mm, like, mm. you know, I'm getting by with it. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And again, I'm learning how to deal with things so that mm-hmm. when I do move and build my own place, mm-hmm. I don't have to deal with any of sure, it. Yeah. Um, but basically Countryman, Safe Sound P1 mm. uh, into an Orion 32 plus. That's yep. my, um, I used to use an RME multi-face, which yep. was, I mean, I love that thing. I still think it's one of the best yep. bang for buck. You gave that to D- Zach, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. He showed um, it to me the other day. And he's just, yeah. He I mean, it's, it. a, it's such a great, you know, like if I didn't, need the extra inputs i would have mm. probably still been mm. using that mm-hmm. um but the orion stuff is incredible mm-hmm. um love their hardware love their converters mm-hmm. customer service could be a little bit better but um <laughs> you know, everyone has room to grow i suppose yep. um but that thing's killer that's just nice. helped open up a lot of options in terms mm-hmm. of just mm-hmm. the routings um distressor because you have to yeah um yeah uh warm audio 1073 i use a lot love of warm it. audio stuff actually yeah, yep. uh phoenix audio pre's um, got a couple of 500 series stuff cool, cool. Um, racked up and that's the main stuff. Then what else have we got? A, uh, a custom made GSSL outboard comp. So that's my bus comp. Cool. Um, DBX 128. Uh, usually again, mostly drums just for a little bit, yep. just to give them a bit more bulk. Yep. Um, otherwise yep. on guitar, if I find guitars aren't sitting well, I do the mm. Bergstrom trick where it just brings them up front and locks them mm. in uh, and you're doing nothing to it. It's like 1.1 mm. ratio. Yeah, it's like yep. ridiculous. Yep. It just, they just, it just does a thing. The yep. DBX stuff is just weird like that. And I yeah. love it. It is. We- those compressors are strange. Oh, yeah. So weird. They don't and I don't work think, like, like it's not made for that. Yeah. Like no one was really using Broadcasting, them right? Yeah. And yeah. like, it's got the, the, um, Dolby um, yeah. noise yes. reduction stuff on it, like mm. things that are not made for what yeah. we're doing. But somehow, you know, again, the yeah. the, the perks of trying random stuff for in sure, studio. For sure. um, an audio arts outboard stereo EQ that I barely ever use for EQ. I mm. just run through its transformer because it does something to the low mids that I'm just cool. like, oh. Yeah, um, nice. There are other things, but I yeah, think that's, no, that's the main beautiful. rig. And then everything else is in – I'm using Cubase for, yeah, for okay, my yep. mixing. Yep. I have – licenses for basically everything because no matter how many times you tell bands please send me consolidated waves <laughs> i've sent you the pro tools folder and i'm like that's fine yeah <laughs> i won't make you do it again yeah 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 so, fair enough. but cubase is my my weapon of choice and um, where did that come from um getting it cracked when i was really young yep. um but no like i had i had a cracked um just like before i wanted to do this obviously as a career it was just you know i need something mm. um cakewalk was the first thing i yes. used so i had experience with the um that interface that yeah. um sort of um family um and then downloaded pro tools because everyone's like you need to use pro tools mm-hmm. and i was like i fucking hate this mm-hmm. <laughs> i don't worst. like it at yeah. all um and i'm not you know anyone who loves it go nuts but mm-hmm. like i just feel like so many features that weren't there until now mm-hmm. were inhibiting my ability to do things especially like midi yep. and stuff yep. like it's it's insane how that yeah, the fact that you couldn't do clip gain on waveforms. It, yeah, there's, it, there's a lot of things that blow my mind about yeah. Pro Tools. And the thing well. is, like, a lot of people who love it have that old school thing. Of, like, it's like using a desk. I'm like, that's great, but I'm not using this to Correct, use a desk. I'm yeah. using this because I don't use a desk. Correct. Um, but without bitching about Pro Tools all day. I know. Um, Cubase, is, I just found it to be a lot easier. Like, my yeah. brain and the way Cubase is laid out were, yeah. like, best friends. Cool. So, sorry. Yeah. Um, and that just worked. So, yeah. Yeah. I still use some of the stock Cubase plugins yeah. for shit. Like, yeah. They're awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, the weird workflow I do have though, and Steinberg, if you're out there, please fucking change this. <laughs> In Cubase 5, they have transparent events. Okay. So when I'm editing, you can see everything down to like the yeah. 16th grid. Mm-hmm. And I'm very on the fly with my editing. I do slip mm-hmm. editing for everything. Mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. use any beat detective. Yep. I it kill, Every time I do it, I listen back and I'm like, that sounds terrible. Mm. So I slip edit everything. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. with the grids being so visible through the transparent event, I can do it really quickly and not perfectly, but enough that I know it's going to sound natural. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In Cubase 8 onwards, they got rid of it. So now you can't see through yeah. the event. And it's I still use 5 to track and edit in because yeah, I mean, right. it's just, tra- it doesn't, yeah. you know, it doesn't add any color. It's, yeah, just, yeah. it's just the door. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I use that to track in and I, I mix in eight right. just because it's 64 okay. bit. That's, that's, go. that's yeah. it. So that's my weird workflow. But for me, it's like, yeah. So smooth. again, if it works, it works. Yeah. yeah, that's it. And so software sort of, uh, you know, uh, let, I guess plugins, mm. uh, you're using a lot of hardware. Where does the software stuff come into it? Um, 
I am very minimalist with my software. I know mm. people who are just like, I've got like 10 different verbs and this mm. and that. I'm like, when are you using them? Mm. Um, mm. I love the Jacob Hansen approach, which mm. is the, you load your session up. And like, when I say templates, it's mm. always routing templates. Mm. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. load your templates up so that you've got like your vocal verb channel. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've basically got the um, Roomworks from Cubase yep. sitting yep. on it. Yep. I've got Valhalla. Yep. Uh, and then um, Verbiage as yep. well. Yep. They're my main three. Yeah. They're all switched off and yep. I just choose which one I yep. like. Yep. Same thing with delays. I'm basically only running the Cubase stock delay and um, Waves H delay. Yep. Um, obviously using the Slate stuff. Yep. Um, mostly it's trigger, obviously, yep. just because it's just still the hands mm-hmm. down the mm-hmm. best um, algorithm for actually picking up drums and stuff. And metal, when you oh the, God, when there's yeah. that many hits, you're not doing it manually. <laughs> exactly. No, yeah. no. Yeah. Um, so that's fantastic. Um, I make a lot of my own samples now. So with mm-hmm. that engine, it's just mm-hmm. so easy. Cool. Uh, I use tape machines and uh, mix bus mm-hmm. from Slate, mm-hmm. but I don't use any of their other plugins really. Mm-hmm. A lot of my so outside of that, I'm using a lot of the. Um, uh, who makes uh, Pro Pro Q two and yeah, yeah. whatnot? Fab Filter, yeah. Fab Filter. Yeah, um, I love Fab Fab Filter Satin. It's one yeah, of my favorite saturators. It's great, unbelievable. Um, yeah, so I'm using that Q two. Still haven't got Q three. Yep. I want to because of the yep. dynamic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, dynamic bands that'd be sick. Mm-hmm. Um, but I haven't just haven't committed to it yet. C two, a few other things from Fab Filter because yep. yeah, their stuff's great. I, yeah, you know, yeah. Um, Sound Toys, yep. Decapitator, yep. Echo Boy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Echo Boy's the other one that's on my um. Delays, yep. Chain. Yeah, There's probably cool. a few other things, but honestly, like a couple of tran- uh, transient designers. Yeah, yeah. I've got SPL. Yep. Um, and let's talk. Uh, let's talk workflow. What are some of the things that made you get faster with your software mm. on the software side of things? Um, like obviously, well, your hardware approach of doing stuff on the way in is a yeah. huge workflow yeah. improvement when it comes to mixing. You don't have to do half the yeah. stuff that you needed to do. That's that's the big that's one. That's the one. Yeah. Um, just. Pulling it into the look. This is for when I'm tracking. Yeah, obviously it's different when when people have sent me stuff. Yeah, you know I still have a workflow where if someone sends me tracks mm-hmm. and a vocalist is tracked, you know it sounds good, but it's all just you know through a 57 mm-hmm. through like a focus yeah, ride or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. It's going through the distressor and the yeah. external EQ. I'm reamping mm-hmm. vocals effectively. Cool, cool. Um, and that stuff I'll let happen overnight. You know, so like my workflow again is a lot about is prep. Yeah. Um, for the mix phase. So, you know, sometimes it's like I'll get sent an album worth of vocals and I'm like, cool, that's like, you know, eight hours worth of vocal takes. Yeah, yeah. Load them all up, chuck the distressor on them, EQ them, get it to the point where I'm like, this now sounds like what I would be putting yes. into a, yep. into the system if I if it was tracked here yep. and I'll let it run overnight. And then cool. when I bring it in, I've just saved myself like three, four steps. Yeah, nice. So stuff like that Beautiful. I do a lot of because mm. it like seems like extra work, but it's not because I saved myself like probably a day or two yeah. in mixing. Of sitting there. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Um, otherwise it's just making sure that my routing's consistent. Mm. Cause mm-hmm. um, that's the one thing that I know, like used to take me heaps of time was dicking around with routing when I'm like, yeah. there's no need. Routing doesn't change. Yeah. And you t- look, look at CLA yeah. where he's like, no, I have my four groups yep. of guitars. And if I can't do it in that, then something else needs to be comped. And Correct. I'm like, mate, <laughs> you are making, you know, the highest selling albums in the world. Yeah. If you can do it with four groups, I think I can probably, Absolutely. you know, apply yeah. the same mentality at least not to for do sure. the same thing when it's metal, you've got, you know, 42 tracks yeah, of guitars yeah. <laughs> yeah. and one track of vocals for some reason. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But treating it as efficiently as possible. Yeah, for Trying sure. to make as least moves as possible, man. Like mm. some dudes now like uh, Nolly Get Good um, makes a great point about like letting the mix do most of the work yeah. and then you automate. It's like if you're automating because things aren't sitting right, then you, you're not. Yeah, I don't think you your mix is right. right. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, CLA talks about doing a pass of the mix and then doing a pass of automation. Mm. I try to do that now mm-hmm. a lot where mm-hmm. I'll be like, okay, vocal automation, delay throws, mm. song plays through, fader up. Oh, that that's a good part. Let's go back mm. quickly. Play sick. Do cool. that pass. I love and, that. I love oh, that. so that's much fun. Awesome. Yeah. And you know, oh, you know what? That chorus didn't kick in hard enough. Mm. Is it, do I need more vocals, or does that first bass slap need to be louder? And it's like it doesn't always have to be drums. Mm-hmm. Those bits mm-hmm. are really fun. And setting up automation lanes to mm. be easy to access is really important. Yeah. Um, things that early on I didn't do as much mm-hmm. of. Mm-hmm. Whereas now I reckon like 70 percent of the mix time is just automating. Yeah. Like, yeah, you know yeah. what, and half of it's what effects are going to sound cool. Like you know, you get to a part where you're like, yeah, this is kind of cool, but being a very dense metal mix that drops for a second, can I bring something new to it? Well, it's funny. You know? It's funny that you say that because it it's kind of a throwback to the way that they used to do it in the '50s, '60s. You know, it's like mm-hmm. <laughs> they had people that were controlling the board, like, and exactly. they were the mix yeah, engineers dancing on the board. They weren't that's, even yeah. called that, but yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's awesome, man. I love it. Um, 
one thing I like to do before we, you know, finish up today uh, is have a bit of a chat about some advice that you might be able to give to, you know, people that are just starting out. First of mm. all, producers, engineers, and then artists. Yeah. So. Uh, I feel, we- I always feel weird giving advice because it's just like, I still feel like I'm learning so much. Yeah. So when yeah. I give advice, I'm like, this might change in a year, you know, like, cause like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm constantly learning, but I guess some things that have stuck with me from the producer recording standpoint, mm-hmm. um, like any creative industry, it- it's hard. That's, mm. that's it. And I, and, and I feel like I have to say that because like, there's no, there's nothing glamorous. Mm. Every one of my favorite engineers that I know, like from overseas and stuff, like dudes that I look up to who I'm now lucky enough to be friends with, man, they, they're just as like out of whack as yeah. I am, you know, yeah. they're just doing it better. Yeah. <laughs> they're just more well known for it, you know, mm-hmm. if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Yep. So if this industry is what you want to be in, I feel like you have to feel like you need to be in it, not yeah. want to be in it because I don't know what I would do if I wasn't doing this. Like I'm sure I'm capable of other things, mm. but I don't want to do anything else. <laughs> like I wake up, you know, I get up like at seven yep. and by eight o'clock I'm like sitting in front of the computer ready to like do yeah. some mixing and I'm like yeah. pumped, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and then sometimes I go to bed at 2am and I have to be up at seven again. Cause yeah. that's just what, well, you know, the week before Christmas, that's what I'm doing <laughs> right now. But yeah. And, uh, <laughs> be prepared for a lot of people to not understand that lifestyle. Mm. Um, my, that's huge. yeah, like yeah. I, I can accurately say that I'm like at least two or three relationships I've had have yeah. absolutely fallen apart yeah, because yeah. of the life that I've chosen to live. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, my, my fiance at the moment, on the other hand, is very understanding. She yeah. also has a pretty <laughs> hectic lifestyle, but you know, the last few days I just mentioned like, Hey, I'm going to sleep in the studio just a heads up. Yeah. I need to get yeah. this work done yeah, you know, yeah. before Christmas. Otherwise yeah. you know, that's yeah. it. And she's like, no, yeah. like, let me know if you need something. You know, yeah, whatever. Yeah. I'm like, Thanks. Yeah. Um, so just, it's not only knowing that people won't necessarily understand it is, is, finding people who do yeah, understand. Agree. And yeah. and I just think again, if you are uh, and it all rolls into the whole like pa- being so passionate about mm. it that you feel like it's it's a calling. I hate to say mm. that. Like it's so cheesy, <laughs> but like you know, like I can't do anything else. Yeah. I won't allow myself to do anything else because yeah. this exists mm-hmm. and I want to do it mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. So because of that, I've had to be realistic and go the people who don't understand it, I can't really afford to cater to those people. Um, and anyone who cares about me enough understands, like I've definitely missed some very important things because Mm. of work or having to be interstate for tracking. And Mm. people have been like, I get it. Mm. Like that's, that is who you are and that is your life. And if you can find those people, uh, you will do better because Mm. they will support you. Um, they won't make you question what you're doing, even if it's subconsciously. Mm -hmm. So find the people who support you. Otherwise just keep doing your thing. So the biggest advice I can give is just marry yourself to it until Mm. someone else wants to join that relationship. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) That's kind of exactly it. Um, I think that is easier for me to speak on than the music stuff because I feel like we come out of the pandemic and as someone who's still very much actively in a band and and all the things to go with it, like I literally this morning just announced that I'm doing a management, management and booking thing with Anthony from Triple Kill. So just to add nice. more things to the plate. Congrats. But uh, thank you. But like a lot of it is just looking at it and going, it's a crazy world out there. Mm. Um, the same thing applies. If you're passionate about what you do and you love it, you're just going to do it anyway. You'll find time, um, yeah. People made that point of like, oh, COVID's going to literally destroy music, blah, blah, blah. And like, yeah, to a degree, but mm. in the same way it destroyed everything else. People find a workaround. And at the end of the day, look at how many musicians put albums out or did live streams yep. or whatever it is. Um my understanding is that merch sales and vinyl sales went up Mm -hmm. across COVID, right? And that's because what happens when you've got nothing else to do? People go into their art. I'm sure more people watched Netflix and listened to music than anything else during lockdown. And guess what? They're creative fields. Yeah. You know, all those people probably put even more in than they ever have Mm. to put stuff out because they don't know what else to do. That's just who we are as people. If you're a creative person, you're going to be like that. Mm. So if you feel that way about what you do, just keep doing it. Dive in. Um, I think surround yourself with people who do what you love. I almost think like surround yourself with people who are better than you at it Mm. because you will learn and always Mm. be a sponge. Like Mm. for me, it's like, don't ever turn down information. Even if it's something you won't use, like four groups of guitars from CLA, take that on board as to like, again, why people do things. Yeah, It may not be what you're going to do, but the reason behind it may apply to something you're going to do. So always be open to learning. I think the other thing with that is, you know, something I've touched on in the past with other guests is you, you don't know what comes back to you. Like in the moment you might be like, that's so stupid. I'm never going to listen to that. You don't know in 10 years when you go, 
I remember someone telling me that. Don't know who it was, but mm-hmm. you know, the, it's so surprising the things that you remember that you didn't know that you would. So yeah, yep. yeah, and just 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 being accepting of people giving advice. They're giving mm-hmm. it for a reason because they think it'll help you. Yeah. So it's like yeah. don't spit in the face yeah. of that. Yep. Even if you think that in the moment that you yeah. won't. Just be open to it, yeah. I mean, a small example, but one that I appreciate was a situation I had was a band that I um, recorded recently and, like, the album's coming up awesome. When they were tracking um, with me, they wanted to track guitars on their own, but they Mm -hmm. hadn't done it before as Mm -hmm. as a band. And I just made the point of why I didn't think it was a good idea. Mm -hmm. But they still wanted to have a go at it, which Mm -hmm. they did, Mm -hmm. fair enough. Um, But the end result was that the issue we've had the most was with guitar tones. So some some things have been re-recorded. We've gone about things differently with... Uh, like two rounds of reamps and all that mm. kind of thing. But they had to learn that lesson because they really wanted to have a go. Yeah, yeah. And now they're like, yep, cool. We know now that that's not going <laughs> to yeah, work. Yeah. But also some of the things that we learned, we can apply next time where if we do do it on our own, we know yes. what not to do. Yeah. So like, you know, sometimes you have to learn the hard way. Yeah. It's just how it is. Yeah. Um, but the fact that they were like, we totally get why you said what you said now, but mm. we're still glad we did it this yeah. way so that yep. we got to learn them. No stress. As long yep. as the end results positive worth it then yeah, yeah exactly yeah. so i yeah. think you know again uh, the point of like we're not in this industry because it's a money-making glamorous <laughs> yeah. thing we're in it because we're all basically like psycho creatives who just yeah. have to do it yeah um so make the most of it enjoy That's it sick. number one do it with people you care about and enjoy doing it with mm-hmm. uh, most importantly and then mm-hmm. from there like take every avenue you can if you if you yep. love something enough you'll make it work yeah That's I love it. Yeah. Well, thanks heaps, man. This has been so sick. Um, oh, thank you so much, dude. No worries. Where can people find you online? Um, you can find me at monolithstudios.com.au. You can find me at, I think it's Instagram, Monolith Studios Melbourne. Mm-hmm. Same thing for Facebook. Um, Orpheus Omega is my main main band. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now Anchor Entertainment is um, awesome. bookings and management. So as you... Weirdly enough, you can probably find me pretty easily. Yep. And your studios are in Thomastown. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yep. nice one. Well, again, thank you. Um, it's been awesome. And thank you for checking us out. As always, mucho appreciado. Um, if you want to uh, do us a favor and share this with your friends, that's the best way we can spread it around, whether that's in a personal DM or a story or wherever you like, you share it. That really helps us spread the word. And of course, subscribe or follow on the platform that you're listening or watching this on so you can stay up to date. Um, apart from that, thanks again. Thanks, Chris. Thank you so much, dude. See you next time. for listening to What's That Sound. Make sure you hit follow or subscribe on your podcast platform to stay up to date with each new episode. We'll catch you next time.